I don't deserve it. Come on now. Will you give yourself away? Oh, the overwhelming, never-ending, reckless love of God. Amen. Good morning and welcome to Fellowship High Crest. Oh, come on now. I see a couple of y'all in this Chiefs gear. And I know when they um, introduce Touchdown Mahomes, he going to get more than that. <laughs> Good morning, Fellowship High Crest. Okay. All right. Y'all were acting like y'all cowboy fans. Yeah. I'm the only one should be sad in here. Me and Doug, he's in children's ministry this morning, I think. But um, this weekend, you'll see my family all sporting shirts like this, and uh, we're sporting them because this weekend is a weekend um, that we celebrate nationally the, the life and legacy of Dr. Martin Luther King Jr. Yeah, and tomorrow um, is the national holiday. And as you decide how your family will celebrate, um, I just want you to remember this. When, when asked about this, his wife, uh, Coretta, who, um, if you haven't studied her, maybe you've heard of Dr. King, but if you haven't heard of her contributions to the movement, you need to go and study uh, Coretta, who herself was a um, classically trained um, artist and musician, a beautiful voice, and she gave that up to support him um, as he led the civil rights uh, movement. Um, but she said, what do you think about this day? And she said, we need people to remember that it's a day on, not a day off. So as you decide how to celebrate this day, uh, think of a way to serve someone else um, on tomorrow as you do that. Now, uh, today, as I speak, oh, I have page numbers on the screen. And if this is your first time visiting Fellowship Highcrest, um, I want you to know that those page numbers for our main passage are in those blue Bibles that are on that seat. Um, if you don't have a Bible of your own, you can take that one and use it as our gift to you. You can take it and keep it and take it home with you. Um, there's a reading guide inside the front page. So if you're wondering where you should start reading that, well, just go to the day that's marked on there. Um, if you don't have one that's easy to read, then you can take that Bible as a gift from us to you and you can um, take it as your own. Or if you know someone who doesn't have a Bible, please take that one and give it to them as a gift from the both of us. And we do that for an important reason. We want you to see that the things that we teach come from the word of God. And so um, that's why we want to open up the scriptures together and be in there together. Today we start a new sermon series entitled Living Hope. Now, if you're in a small group, meaning you've gone through Rooted and now you're in a small group, then you've been doing um, curriculum over this and, and kind of preparing for these messages. And each week as we come together for the next 10 weeks, um, nine following this one, you'll kind of be ahead and prepared for where we're going on Sundays. If you're not in a small group, if you follow that reading plan, your daily readings will help prepare you for when you get here. So what you saw this morning with our worship team was them being prepared for what God was about to do. Now imagine if you get prepared for the word when you get here, what God's going to do. So it's the same thing. And, and so if you 
have any questions about that, there'll be the discipleship team out in the hallway. After service, you can talk to them more about that and getting hooked up with either rooted or in a small group, different things of that nature. So um, today, let us get started. Uh, our passage for this morning comes from 1 Peter 1, 1 through 7. It's found on page 738 of those blue Bibles. And here's what we find it to say. Now, I have uh, uh, some tea up here because uh, the team knows I've been uh, sick this week. And so I told them I had a, just about enough voice for one message this morning, which is good. We only have one service. So let's get it. This letter is from Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. I'm writing to God's chosen people who are living as foreigners in the provinces of Pontus, Galatia, Cappadocia, Asia, um, and Bithynia. God the Father knew you and chose you long ago, and his spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed him and have been cleansed by the blood of Christ. May God give you more and more grace and peace. All praise to God, the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. It is by his great mercy that we have been born again because God raised Jesus Christ from the dead. Now we live with great expectation, and we have a priceless inheritance, an inheritance that is kept in heaven for you, pure and undefiled and beyond reach of change and decay. And through your faith, God is protecting you by his power until you receive the salvation, which is ready to be revealed on the last day for all to see. So be truly glad. There is wonderful joy ahead, and even though you must endure many trials for a little while, these trials will show that your faith is genuine. It is being tested as fire tests and purifies gold, and though your faith is far more precious than mere gold, so when your faith remains strong through many trials, it will bring you much praise and glory and honor on the day when Jesus Christ is revealed to the whole world. This is God's word. Maybe like you and, and ask this, have you ever um, started a project at home and got part of the way into it and found yourself sitting on the floor with parts all around you only to realize that you needed to call in some help? And... and, and not just if you wanted to get it fixed right, but just to get it put back together the way it was before you start taking it apart. I mean, you, you saw that, or maybe you started a, a Pinterest project only to realize that they should have included more than just five pictures in the instructions for how to complete this thing. Maybe you got married and you realized that the songs all lied to you, that, that you needed more than just love. <laughs> or maybe you had kids by birth or foster, uh, became a foster parent or, or you were a grandparent and you brought your grandkids back into your home and, uh, or you decided to plant a church and you got part of the way into it and, and you started to question if you were really the one uh, for this, if you were really cut out for this thing and you know, see, nothing can cause you to lose hope faster than when you question whether you're the right person for a task. 
Nothing can cause you to give up faster than when you're unsure about your identity. And if um, the hardships of home repair and cooking and crafting and marriage and parenting can make you feel that way, so can following God in our spiritual journeys. The question is, is how do we have a living and thriving hope while living in a world that's not necessarily set up in a way to be for our advantage. The Apostle Peter wrote these two letters of the New Testament, which we will use for this sermon series. And the intended recipients of these letters were not necessarily evangelized by Paul. If you look at the places mentioned as we read and you think back to what Kent um, read during the scriptures, some of the same places are mentioned. And while this body was mostly Gentiles, it had a few Jewish believers. There was a, just a little bit of diversity mixed in to this group. This area was a part of the Roman Empire, and this letter was penned around A.D. 64. Now, the, the important thing you need to know about that date is this, that around that same year, um, there was a great fire that took place in Rome. And when that fire took place, it destroyed much of the city of Rome, and so uh, the leader of Rome at that time was not real friendly to Christians. As a matter of fact, he would um, take those Christians and he would dip them in tar and impale them on poles and light them on fire to use as torches for his garden parties. So when this fire broke out, the leader at that time, Nero, um, blamed it on the Christians. And this caused a lot of the Roman Empire to become even more hostile toward Christ followers. This left the readers of this letter in a place where they were outsiders. And not only were they outsiders, but but they were the natives were hostile toward them and saw the way they lived as a threat to their way of life. This put many of them in a really hard position. The hostility they faced caused them to question if if they were in a hopeful situation where they lived. And even if they remained, they didn't know if they could take the continual social persecution that was happening and if they could take what was coming next, which they had no clue of what was going to happen next. Maybe some of you have never been in that position before where life is happening and you're saying, well, God, what can happen next? And they said, even if we can stay here and take the next thing, are we ever going to be fruitful in making disciples while living as outsiders? Today, we'll spend our time looking at how identity, perspective, and purpose help us to see God's grace and receive God's peace in the midst of suffering. At Fellowship Highcrest, when we say church, we're not referring to an event or a building, but rather we're referring to a group of people whose lives are centered around two things, gospel and community. Gospel is always our content, and community is always our context. Now, gospel has two parts. The first is called the word or the gospel in the air. That's everything we think about who God is and what he's done for us through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, the second part of the gospel is mission. Here at Fellowship High Church, we like to say that outreach is more than an event and mission is more than a trip. 
Mission is simply how we live out what we say we believe. And then that second part, community, our context. When someone asks if someone is a member of Fellowship High Crest, we look to see if they are living out these seven things with a small group of people. The first one is daily devotion. This consists of spending time in the word daily. We supply free Bibles and a um, reap guide and use that reap method of studying scripture. The second one is prayer. This consists of uh, developing our vertical relationship using the uh, prayer acronym for prayer. Praise, repent, ask, and yield. The third one is freedom from or, or serving the community. We'll go there next. The third is serving the community. We want you to be active outside the walls through Love Topeka Weekend, Share Fest, uh, Project Forward, Scent, and other local partnerships. The fourth one is sacrificial generosity. That means sacrificially giving your finances, time, talent, and encouragement to others. The fifth is freedom from strongholds. This is where accountability takes place, and we teach you about this in our, our ongoing accountability in our life transformation groups through Rooted. The sixth is sharing your story. This is where evangelism fits into the picture. We believe that all believers, all followers of Christ uh, have been commanded to do it, and you should be able to do it and equipped to share your story, to share the good news, to share the gospel with others. And then seven, celebration. We believe that Christians should throw the best parties. We should be the fun house on the street. And so Sunday morning and Wednesday evenings for family dinner is just another time that we gather for celebration. Now, this is a mouthful and what I believe to be a comprehensive definition of what the church is in makeup and in function. But here's where I think we sometimes fall short in explaining this. I believe I, because I want to speak about myself and for self and not any other leader, I believe I can tend to focus so much on church as function that I minimize church as identity. What do I mean by that? Yes, being a part of the church is missing or living out what we say we believe. And that's important, especially In today's time, yes, being a part of the church is defined by how we do life with each other. But if you call my explanation, I started off with saying that that when we say church, we're referring to a group of people whose lives center around gospel and community. Now, if you were listening to that, maybe you ask this question, this deeper question of who is that group of people? Who is that group of people? When Peter began his letter to those who were suffering and going through trials, he started out with two things. In verse one of our passage, he started out by telling who he was and also with who they were. If you miss this, you will miss the rest of this series. If you miss what's happening in verse one, you'll miss the rest of the series. This is so important. He starts out by telling who he is, but look how he describes himself. He says that I am Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. Peter introduces himself in terms of his connection with God. Now, a person, when you first introduce them, 
or they introduce themselves would normally lead off with what they think is their most valuable asset. When you introduce yourself to someone, what do you lead off with? Come on. Yeah. He says that I'm Peter, an apostle of Jesus Christ. That word apostle there means a sent one, a messenger, or a special messenger or an ambassador. Peter said, all the, of all the things you need to know about me, the most important thing you need to know about me is what? That I was sent by God. That I'm a messenger of God. That's the most important thing that you need to know. But there's more to this, and we're going to come back to it. But then he addresses the readers, and he tells them who, the, who, who they are. And in many translations of the scriptures, one word is used to describe who they are. But in our text this morning, um, there's a phrase there. That phrase is God's chosen people. In many texts, that word is elect. Now, here's what you need to know about this word. A little bit of uh, tracing back. That word that is used there for elect to talk about God's chosen people is the has the same root word that is used in the New Testament for the word church. The same word. And so this word, the root word means to be called out or chosen. So the church is this called out group or chosen group. And Peter is talking to these people who are receiving his letter and telling them the same thing. Why is this important? This group of people who centers their life around the gospel in the community, those are whom God has chosen. Those are the people whom God has chosen. The same God that chose Peter as his special messenger had also chosen them as his own. If you are here in this room and and you want to have any hope, During times of suffering, it will begin by being built upon a foundation of knowing who you are in relation to God. Now, if you trace that word there, elect, some other definitions of that word meant uh, valued or beloved or beautiful or special or, or chosen by God. So if you're here and you have stepped over the line of faith and you are in Christ Jesus, you need to know I am valued. I am beloved. I am beautiful, I am special, and I'm chosen by God. Now, somebody needs to say that to themselves. Say it with me. I am valued, I am beloved, I am beautiful, I am special, I am chosen by God. You need to know that about yourself. Now, one of the main reasons we get defeated and lose hope in the middle of stuff is that Sometimes we see what lies ahead and, and we picture the type of person that's needed for that role and we just can't identify. But Peter, with just a simple word, started with an encouragement for those who were going through some things. And Peter told them that just as God had chosen them, had chosen him, he had chosen them. And he could have chose different, but he didn't. You need to understand that whatever you're going through in life right now, That God chose you. He chose you for whatever you're going through in life right now. That you are his plan in and for this situation. You need to believe that. If we're going to remain faithful in times of suffering and trial, we need to know who we are. We also need to know 
what is happening. Have you ever spent four hours working on something that you saw laid out in four minutes on a YouTube video? You know what I mean, right? You, you had something that needed to be fixed or you had this, this, this cool idea or something you want, needed to do, so you Googled it, right? And you went there and you saw, I got all the materials. I can do this. I can pull this off. And so you went to YouTube because you can YouTube everything, right? YouTube everything. So you went to YouTube and you looked up this video and in four minutes, you know, you saw this video, work, walked all through this thing. You're like, oh, I can do that. And so you got part of the way into it, and four hours later, you find yourself with parts everywhere, and you're confused, and you're frustrated. Yeah, I've been there. Suffering, conflict, and troubles can cause us to absolutely lose track of time and space. We can be so engulfed in our problems and issues that we totally lose perspective, and that lack of perspective sometimes brings upon a lack of hope. After Paul tells his listeners that they were chosen by God, he tells them that they were exiles or living as foreigners. God had chosen them to be strangers in a strange land. Him choosing them didn't mean immediately removing them from the presence of everyone who was like them. But rather, they were to go and live near and amongst the natives. Now, this is so counter to our Christian culture today. All too often, we have a hard time reaching the unreached because we spend so much time trying to invite them onto our turf. We spend so much time trying to um, uh, be in groups with people just like us. We spend way too much time trying to change the culture to favor us. But in our passage, Peter tells the readers that, that those chosen by God are called to go and put themselves in situations that don't favor who they are. Whoa. They're willing to go and introduce themselves to that new guest because why? Because God's chosen people are willing to be uncomfortable. Why? Because they are firm in their identity and their identity tells them that God chose them, not only um, them, but he chose the place in which he placed them. And in which they currently find themselves. So they don't waste time wishing they were somewhere else or with someone else or talking about what they would do in another stage of life. They act as God's chosen people in the schools in which they attend, on the jobs in which they have, in the churches in which they currently serve, and in the neighborhoods in which they currently live. So staying faithful in the midst of suffering means knowing who you are in relation to Christ, having the proper perspective, and knowing your why. Our why is what keeps us where God has placed us. Our why is what helps us endure times of not knowing if we can take what comes next. Our why is what tells us not only what to do, but how we do what we do. Our why informs um, where we seek help, When we find ourselves at our end, our why allows us to dwell in places that are not our home and yet and still not feel alone. But in order to not find ourselves doing a whole bunch of nothing, our why must be a product of our who. Our vertical must feed our horizontal. 
or you will run dry. If your outreach beats your upreach, you will run dry. Let me say that again for you. If your outreach beats your upreach, you will run dry. If you are not connecting with God through the scriptures and in prayer and with his body, you will run dry. All of the good stuff you do will cause you to be frustrated and crumble and die inside. Your, what you do has to be powered from who you are. And the way you're going to be built up is by being in connection with the God of the universe. There is nothing that you can do as an action, either inside the walls of the church or outside the walls as a part of the church that can replace time with Jesus. It has to be there. For Peter, his purpose was a function of his identity. He was one sent by God as a special messenger. His purpose for life was wrapped up in who gave him life. The same is true for God's body, for Christ's bride, for the church. The same is true. We are supposed to be a living example of what it looks like when God's grace is multiplied by God's peace. When Peter tells him there, may God's peace and grace be multiplied upon you in some versions, or may you see it more and more in our version. He's saying that we are supposed to be this living example of what God's grace and God's peace look like in a living function. Therefore, even in the midst of, of the most unlikely of the situations where all the chips are against us and we feel like the least qualified person in the room, the gospel can still shine in and through us. I want to tell you, if you're here this morning and you're feeling so ill-equipped and unqualified for wherever God has placed you, the gospel can still shine through you. God still has use for you. And the gospel shines in times of suffering with a foundation of hope. And that foundation is in the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He is our joy. He is alive. He is not dead. Those who are in Christ Jesus also share in his resurrection. And and we were chosen by the Father to be a part of Christ's body, and therefore our hope lives just like the promise of his return. So while trials and tribulations may prey upon us, we have a living hope inside of us. The gospel shines in times of suffering in a family with an inheritance. Now, there are a few things that troubles loved ones more than getting to the end of a family member's life or a loved one's life. And and there's no insurance. Some of y'all may not know the burden that that causes and it kind of dampens the celebration of life. But but for those who are in Christ Jesus, those whom God has chosen, they don't have to worry about what's waiting for them at the end because right now in heaven they have a priceless inheritance waiting on them. And what makes that inheritance priceless? Uh, well, it makes it, it priceless because just like you were chosen by God, your inheritance was chosen by God. This ain't no Bitcoin. This thing don't follow the trends and fickleness of the human heart. While our the sufferings of this world may bruise our bodies, our minds, and our spirits. Our future remains unbroken. 
And then the gospel shines in times of suffering for the fulfillment of salvation. When someone steps across the line of faith, God fulfills the promise that all of those who are in Christ Jesus are free from the penalty of sin. When those who are in Christ Jesus submit to the indwelling Holy Spirit, God fulfills the promise of freeing them from the power of sin. And because God guards our salvation and there ain't nothing that we can do about it, we have this great expectation that one day he'll fulfill his promise of freeing us from the presence of sin. You know what kills hope? What kills hope is a mindset that always searches for what you don't have and what's wrong. It's what defeats us in the middle of projects. If we focus on the parts that ain't working uh, as they should, we'll miss out on the value of knowing how all these things fit together in the progress that's been made to this point. That's the exact point that Peter is making as he speaks in this passage this morning. He's saying that our sufferings are worth their weight in gold, not because we love pain, but because of how our faith and this living hope, this living hope that we have in a risen Christ Jesus is enhanced and purified through our sufferings. If you're here this morning, I want to plead with you two things before I go to my seat. The first is not to suffer for nothing. What gives our suffering purpose is when we suffer for Christ's sake. Only those who are in him can do this. You become a part of this group when you do what we call stepping across the line of faith. That simply means this. That simply means that you understand that you don't have it together, that you can't do it on your own. That there is a gap between God's standard and what you can do. But because of his love, his grace, and his mercy, he sent his son to die for us when we were at our most ratchet. When we were at our worst. When we were in our deepest sin. He sent his son to die for us. And it's only by his death, burial, and resurrection that we have any access to a relationship with our Heavenly Father. And if you believe in that and that alone, not how many church services you come to, not how many scriptures you remember, not how many good deeds you try to do or how many dollars you give, but solely based on the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ, then you have stepped over the line of faith from death into life. From trusting in your own good works to trusting in Jesus Christ. That's how you become a part of the group. My second plea is this. Life is hard. Don't suffer alone. The scripture says that those who follow Christ will go through some suffering. Not might. You will have to endure some suffering. Don't suffer alone. Isolation will cause you to lose hope and to crumble. That is the greatest tactic of the enemy. It's to get you to think that no one can identify with you. That no one would love someone like you. 
that you can't be vulnerable and candid about the things that are going on in your heart, the things that God is revealing about you that don't match up. That's the lie of the enemy. You can be both fully known and fully loved. The first way you begin to not suffer alone is by publicly identifying yourself with that group of people through baptism. Now, because of the weather outside and we use the outside spigot to fill our baptismal, we're going to reschedule baptisms for this week. Um, although we do feel like you might have really came through with the Holy Spirit if you went down in that water. And the, and the next step is this. You become a part of a local body. We're not perfect. We're jacked up folks. If you ever find a perfect church, don't join it because you'll mess it up. <laughs> you do that, we'll, on the first Sunday of February, we'll have a starting point where you can learn more about what that means to be a part of Fellowship High Crest. You can start signing up for that out at the Connection Center. We provide lunch. We provide child care. We just need to know that you're coming. We'll tell you about how to be a part of Rooted in a small group. You need a fight club. You need somebody who's going to be there for you in the tough times. Don't go at this alone. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the living hope we have in your son. We ask, Father, if there's someone here who's still trying to earn their way back to you, that they would give up and totally trust in the life, the death, and the resurrection of your son, Jesus Christ. I pray, Father, that if there's someone holding back because they're afraid of being seen as weak, that they will remember your word says that when they're weak, you are strong that they would embrace your body that's ready to embrace them. Father, as we move outside these doors and leave this place, I pray that we would be people to look to dwell amongst the natives and live as strangers in a strange land and not be so concerned about changing the culture to benefit us but to be a living example of a living hope. We pray these things in your darling son Jesus' name. Amen.